energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would connect us to the main things, Lord. There's so much we're doing, Lord, in life, in work, in relationships, but we have such an ability to be disconnected to the main thing. Would you draw us closer to you today? Would you open our eyes wider to see Christ, to see the source of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, love, baking, sports, everything? Deepen us, Lord. Dredge us deep. Make more room for you. Pour out your spirit on us. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so it was a couple weeks ago in my house, and there was, as usual, there was a commotion that was going on. But this one sounded rough because I heard a lot of yelling, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to see? Is there going to be blood? And I get up there, and sure enough, there was blood. And the one with blood had their hand in the air. And that I look at them closely, and they're smiling, and there's this bloody grin. And what's in the hand? You all know, right? There's a tooth. There was a tooth and a big bloody grin. And they were smiling, even though they were bleeding, because they knew this means I'm going to get paid. Good things are coming to me. And not only that, but they're going to mature. That, that adult tooth is going to come in, and they're making a step towards progress. And, and as I read this passage, I see the Apostle Paul with a big, bloody grin. And he knows that my suffering is going to mean mature disciples. My suffering means the kingdom of God is going to be advanced. My suffering means your benefit. And I love that about him. That's his authenticity right there. That's his legitimacy. And as we read the confession today, this came out of my mouth and then slapped me in the face and said, wake up, Tyson. This is true of you. And I think it's the main problem that we're looking at when we read this text. It says in our confession, we said, we dream more of privilege and benefits than of service and sacrifice. What are we dreaming of during the week? I'm dreaming of getting that promotion, that house, that car, that relationship. I'm dreaming more of my privilege and my benefits than of service and sacrifice. This passage, really the meat and the heart of this passage says Christ lives within you. And the thing is, when you get Christ, when you take in the grandeur of his goodness and, his, and what it means that he forgives you for everything you've ever done, and he's like, I got you. Before you knew me, I had you. In 10 years, I have you. I'm always going to have you. In a million years, we're going to be doing life together still. So because Christ is in us, we must not deviate and try to escape this road of suffering. But we have everything in us so we can move towards it. And we can sacrifice. We can feel pain because there's value in it because Christ went before us. 
And the three main points I want to bring to you is this. They're all focused on the main thing. Bring in this word, uh, the supremacy of Christ. And I'm trying to land it, and I'm just going to call it the main things. The first point, the main thing of Paul's ministry. Second point, the main way of Paul's ministry. And the third point will cover the main product of Paul's ministry. The main thing of Paul's ministry. So as I read this passage, I thought it was strange to be talking about preeminence, and then suddenly we're talking about Paul's job in verse 24. I'm like, why are we talking about that, Paul? Why, is, why, why the focus on yourself? But then I realized something. He's doing something here, and it's like when you're using Google Earth and you type your address in and you click, and within two seconds you go from this cosmic view of the world, and boom, you're in the backyard. You can see your trampoline that's broken. You can see the car in the front yard. You can see all this stuff in HD. And that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, zoom into my life and my work, and you'll see it's all about the main things. And we know that because he says in verse 25, I became a minister... For what, Paul? To make the word of God fully known. Verse 27, I became a minister because I want to see Christ in you. Verse 28, it's him that we proclaim. How many of us are saying, in my vocation, it's all about proclaiming him? It's all about God. It's all about making Christ's excellency known. But the content of his ministry, wherever he went, it was always this. Christ is king. Hey guys, check this out. Christ is king. Christ is king. It doesn't get any deeper than that. And I have this ability to get so sidetracked. Um, I can start a conversation with you. I get, get so fascinated in you. I'll start somewhere and I'll start going off on rabbit trails and asking other questions. And before we know, I don't know where we started or where we're going. But Paul has this unique solidarity of mind that he stays on focus. And he knows what he's talking about when he's talking to you. What's the thing underneath? Christ is king. You see, he's very good at connecting everything in life to the main thing. He has this integrated knowledge. I can remember um, being in seminary, being a seminary student. We're there to focus on the main thing. And one of the things that we do is we study Greek and Hebrew so we can get the scriptures. Like, let's focus on, let's learn how to read. Let's get the main thing. And I remember taking a Greek test when we're translating the, the Gospels, and I'm thinking, I wonder how I'm going to do on this test. I wonder what my GPA is going to be after this. I wonder if she's doing better than me. And somehow we have this ability to slide from the main thing to insecurity or competition. But Paul, I'm sure he slipped off at times, but he always brought it back to the main thing. That's what ministry is about. It's about the main thing. And you can see it in his life because it shows up everywhere. Just keep reading his letters. Watch what you'll see. It's about the main thing. If he gets bit by a snake, it's about the main thing. He preaches too long, and a young man falls out of the window at one point and dies. And he goes down and prays for him, the main thing in Jesus' name, and the man comes back to life. If he's talking about sports, it's about the main thing. Train like an athlete, young Timothy. If he's talking about war, if he's talking about farming, it's all about the main thing. You don't get any deeper, you don't get any better, you don't get any farther than focusing on the main thing. 
But you may be thinking, it's easy for Paul. He's an apostle. He's in the ministry. Of course you're going to be talking about the main thing. I want us to take a look because I think the Bible makes a strong case for us connecting to the main thing in whatever we're doing. And Exodus 31, 1 through 5 talks about a man named Bezalel. And it says this, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with my spirit. To do what? To preach? To be in the ministry? Let me see. I, I filled him with my spirit, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. Oh, you, you filled him with your spirit to be a craftsman? To be an artist? To be a construction worker? I filled him with my spirit to do those things. You see, it's all mine. And when you're connected to the main thing, you do those things to the glory of God. A more modern example is uh, John Coltrane. Who is he? He's, a, he's, he's one of the greatest saxophone players of all time. However, he had a, had a difficult start. He had a battle with heroin and alcohol. He had an addiction. And he was working with another famous jazz artist at the time, and he said, man, John, you go from catatonic to brilliant, and I just can't handle that. I need you to be consistent, man. And he fires him. And this sent John Coltrane in a time of thinking and reflecting. I think about the main things. Why am I doing this? My talent, my art, it, it's, it's not good enough in and of itself. It needs to be rooted into something. And sure enough, he came out of that season resolved to clean up his act, and he wrote in 1964 his most famous work, A Love Supreme. And he presented it as a spiritual declaration that his music devotion was now intertwined with his faith in God. It was all the Lord's. And he said this in 1957. In the year of 19, he said this in 1957, I experienced by the grace of God a spiritual awakening which was to lead me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. I think we, we imagine that if we just do what we want, if we just go our own way, if we, just, if we do Christian stuff here and we do other stuff here, uh, we can be more fruitful by, by kind of veering from the Christian message and from the gospel message. But what Paul's saying here is that you're actually most fruitful, whether you play saxophone or preach sermons, you're actually more fruitful when you're connected to the main thing. Who's man? Who's the man? It's Jesus. So what's the main thing in your work? What's the main thing in your work? When you go to work on Monday, what's the main thing? What are you going to do? Is it to, to serve and to prove to everybody I'm worthwhile? Check me out. Look what I can do. I'm competent. I'm skillful. Look, look at my name. It's all over. It's, it's, it's branded everywhere. Tim Keller says, if that's our motive, then our work inevitably becomes less about work and more about us. Our 
aggressiveness will eventually become abuse, our drive will become burnout, and our self-sufficiency will become self-loathing. But, but if the purpose of work is to serve and exalt something beyond ourselves, then we actually have a better reason to deploy our talent, ambition, entrepreneurial vigor, and we are more likely to be successful in the long run, even by the world's definitions. Because we're connected to the main thing. So what is the main thing if you're married? That getting respect, getting pursued like you know you deserve? Or is it I'm here to sacrifice and love you? In our parenting, I know with my parenting, I'm, I'm all, always sliding to like respect me. And I realize I don't want to take this, the, the route of suffering, which means I'm going to have to be in the slow process of gentleness and teaching. The main thing, we've got to stay connected to the main thing. This is about Christ. This ministry is about Christ. It's not about how good a preacher I become. This ministry is about Christ being a parent, being a spouse, being a girlfriend, being a boyfriend. What's the main thing in it? In your dating relationship, what's the main thing? I'm going to commit to you and I'm going to make you better and more fruitful than you've ever been in your life. For better or worse. Till death do us part. We like in the church to talk about the main thing and the main product. Like, okay, here's the main thing. Now here's the product. Let's, let's make it happen. But we often like to avoid the main way. How do we get it done? We kind of just want to jump but Paul says there's a main way, and if you look at his life, if you look at Jesus' life, the suffering servant, there is a main way, and it's a way of suffering. In verse 24, Paul says, I'm suffering, filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. It's a ministry of suffering. I'm toiling, verse 29, and he continues in verse 29. I'm struggling, says it twice. I'm struggling for you. It's not easy to be connected to, but I'm in it. But it's interesting when you look back at Paul, when you first meet him in the book of Acts. He's a different person. It says he's breathing out murderous threats, and he knows that his ambition is going to get the job done. He's going to prove himself to the other rabbis. He's going to prove himself. I'm the most zealous. I'm going to push this thing forward until something happens. He encounters something of grandeur, something like the Grand Canyon, something like love for the first time, but greater. He encounters Jesus. And the heart and soul of this passage come out, Christ in you is what he wants, because he got Christ in him. And when Christ went in him, everything flipped. His methodology, his philosophy, it all flipped. And he went from the persecutor to the persecuted. You see, I'm not trying to prove myself anymore. I got treasure inside that you just don't know about. I got so much inside that I can lay my life down for you. I'm not hungry. I'm not looking to you for my hunger. That's unreliable. I'm going to connect to the main thing. Don't give me no tributary. Give me the main source. Something happened. Uh, 
I love just going through all of his letters because you just see this time and time again, time and time again, suffering. And it's the way he often goes back to, this is how you validate whether you're legit or not. You know, people can come up and say all kinds of things. I love you, ooh, I love you. But you know it's real when they start suffering and they keep saying, I love you. I'm with you. This hurts. But we're going to keep on going. That was an ugly fight, but you know what? Let's keep doing this. Let's keep coming back to repentance, going to Christ, moving forward. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 10, Paul really clearly says, this is my credentials. He says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. We recommend ourselves to you. Why? By great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. We're treated as impostors, yet we're true. As unknown, yet well-known. As dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet we're not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. You see why he rejoices in his suffering. He knows it's going to be fruitful. He's committed. He's satisfied by Christ in him. Uh, The uh, great theologian Augustine of the 4th century, he talks about this inward curve of humanity. And it, it started at the fall, this inward curve. And what is that inward curve? It's like when humans started devolving into macaronis. And after Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they, they reach for that apple and they grab it like, we're going to get more here. Like, we're going to go outside. We're going to go somewhere aside from what God has set for us. I bet we're going to find something real juicy. And they found some juicy, juicy pain and curse. But ever since then, what happened is this devolution. They start looking inward for, for the source of their life. And they start macaronying in. And they just keep turning and curling and curling and they thought they were going to become more and greater but they actually became less and it just keeps going and c.s lewis even draws a picture of it he he says we're on a trajectory we're either becoming more christ-like and walking in his stream and standing up straighter and becoming more glorious of who we were meant to be or we're going to follow this other route and we're going to devolve and we're just going to macaroni in until we absolutely become to this microscopic point where we're so small. He says, hell might just be the size of a drop of ink. But because everyone has so inward curved, they can all fit in it. They just keep devolving until you say, Christ, I need you. I need something outside of me. I need something outside of my ability and my performance. Will you please help me? Ooh, start standing up. I need something outside of my boyfriend. I need something outside of my spouse. I need something outside of my children's respect for me. Ooh, I stand up straighter. I need something outside of success in my work. Wow, I'm starting to shine. Christ in me is the hope. Whenever we put our hope outside, we're falling away. So Paul commends the suffering route because you actually become a fuller picture of who you are. You see, small people are always asking themselves, how can I use you to get what I need? 
How can I use that system, that employment, how, that person? How can I use you to get what I need? Oops, shrunk, shrinking in. You may be rich, but you may be the smallest person. On, you may have the biggest car, but you may be the smallest person inside of it. And a, a big person says, how can I empty myself for this person's benefit? You actually begin to stand. How can I empty myself to make my girlfriend more of who she was meant to be? Think about that evaluation when you date. But you, all this talk of suffering, you start to think, okay, Paul, I'm, I'm getting a, it's a good point, but like, I'm starting to get, are you masochistic, bro? What's going on with all the suffering talk? And, and we know that he's not because that's enjoying pain for one's own pleasure. But Paul's saying, no, he's saying, I rejoice in my suffering for your benefit. And that takes us to the main product of Paul's ministry. And he says it's this. This is what I want to produce. This is what I need to produce to present everyone mature in Christ. What makes me joyful, what makes me full is to present you mature in Christ. And he says also that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in unity, more integration, getting connected to the main thing. And I, I love this. There's a passage that really impacted me. A mentor of mine shared it with me, and he said, read 1 Thessalonians 2. And I read it, and something stuck with me, and it was this. Um, chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, and, and Paul says, for what is our hope and joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? What's our hope? What's our joy? What's our crown? What are we going to boast about when Jesus comes back? Your car, the books you wrote, the things you accomplished, who you dated, who you married. Now he said this, you are my joy and my glory and my crown. Making mature disciples. That's what will last. Your reputation, your money, it's not going to last. So I've, I've determined after reading that, by the grace of God, I have lots of aspirations in my, in my field. I hope to do many things, but there's things that I have to do. There's certain things I have to do. I have to make mature disciples in my house, and I have to make mature disciples outside of my house. Maybe by bringing them into my house. Like, I could get fired from the ministry. I could, I could lose my job, and I'll be okay as long as I can do what's going to be lasting. Make mature disciples. That'll last. When Christ returns, that's going to be there. I can remember a businessman. He was pretty successful. He was a millionaire, and he, he worked high up in Motorola. He traveled all over the world and made lots of money invested and then he said there was this there was this party i got invited to as a retirement party and the gentleman who was retiring uh here's this at it we so appreciate your dedication and 40 years of service here's a clock and the irony of that like you can't give me back one minute of time and you're giving me a clock and this man was watching this and said okay <laughs> 
I need to reevaluate what I'm spending myself on. If I'm going to make a sacrifice, what's the end goal? Don't tell me in 40 years that I've, I've abused my time with God and with people and with family so I can get a clock from you. He quickly quit his job and looked at a way of investing his time. So take time, I just commend you, take time to evaluate what is it that you're laboring for. You're, you, we are going to sacrifice, right? Sacrifice and suffering will happen. You'll, we'll do it for accolades, we'll do it for money, we'll do it. Why don't you do it for something lasting? We're going to suffer. It's, it's just life on earth. It's going to happen. Like, why not allocate that suffering to something that will last? I love Hebrews uh, 11. It talks about these, these people were the people of faith. They're in the hall of faith. And they, they were like running around the earth. They didn't have lots of nice clothes. They were living in holes. Some of them got sawn in half, but the world was not worthy of them. And that's going to show really clear one day. What are you investing in? What's your philosophy that you're connected to? What's the main thing that you're connected to right now? Is it autonomy? Is it self? Is it prestige? Is it having time just to chill? Invest in something. And Jesus, before he started his career, his ministry, Satan tempted him, and we know about this, the temptation of Jesus. There's three temptations, and there's one that always stood out to me like, hmm, why was that tempting? And it's when Satan said, bow down to me, and I'll give you all this. All these kingdoms of the world, I'll give it all to you in an instant. And there's a clue. I'll give it to you right away. And guess what? He was really saying, Here's a path to everything that you want without any suffering. Instantaneous, no suffering. And Jesus said, get behind me. I'm going to pay it all for them. I'm going to bleed. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be stripped naked. I'm going to do it all because I have children to bring into the kingdom, sons and daughters. And Jesus is the main thing. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You hear him as he talks through the Gospels. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm the bread. I am, I am. I am. He's the main thing. Please pray with me. We just say today, amen. You are the main thing. And we want you, Lord. Will you please, please help me. Please help us to stop doing things out of insecurity, out of fear, out of approval of those around us. Help us to live a life for your glory. We just ask that you take all of our sufferings, Lord, the ones that seem intentional and the ones that seem random, and we just ask that you would mature us through it, Lord, because we remember your word that says suffering produces. 
It produces perseverance, character, hope, and a life that won't disappoint. A hope that won't disappoint. So please, O oh Lord, connect us to the main thing, Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. In his name we pray, amen.